Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. To celebrate the release of my new book of devotions on Ephesians for the next little while here on the podcast, I'm going to be releasing talks through the entire book of Ephesians. These talks have been preached in church services, on camps, and in other contexts, and some of them are as old as 2015, some as recent as 2022. Some have been on the podcast before, and some of them are brand new. If you like the talks, hopefully you'll love the devotions. There are 40 days of readings, and they'll take you through the entire book of Ephesians. You can order the book now by heading to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. In uh, August 1943, so it was in uh, the middle of World War II, there was the battle for Kiska Island. And Kiska Island is an island that is in the Aleutian chain of islands, which is near Alaska. And it was an island that had been occupied by the Japanese uh, for about a year, and uh, the U.S. and the Canadians decided it was time to take it back. And so for three weeks before they invaded the island, they bombed the island fairly constantly, and then they flew over and they airdropped pamphlets onto the island telling all the Japanese occupiers that it was time for them to leave. And then when it was time for the invasion, they gathered together They invaded the island. It was in uh, deep fog at the time, but they had a lot of battles that went on throughout the fog as they moved throughout the island. There were a lot of skirmishes. There were rumors of uh, Japanese snipers uh, that no one could see, but people were getting shot by them. There were quite a lot of casualties in this uh, three-day battle. And then at the end of the battle, They discovered, after they'd moved through the entire island, that the Japanese had left the week before. And so throughout this whole time, the Canadians and the Americans had just been shooting at each other in the fog, but because they couldn't see each other, they thought that they were the, each other were the enemy, and so plenty of people were hurt and destroyed because... Uh, They did not know who their enemy was or where their enemy was. Now, I tell you this story because in this passage, uh, we are told who our enemy is. And we need to know, as Christians, while we're following Jesus, who our enemy is. If we're going to be in a spiritual battle, then we need to know who the enemy is. Otherwise, we're going to destroy the wrong people. And so have a look at the text And see what it says. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if you remember, back to when we're discussing the heavenly realms, there is a lot more going on in this world than just the stuff that we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands and hear with our ears and 
lick with our tongues. There's more to life than just those things that we can sense with our five senses. There is a whole realm out there where there is God and the angels and Satan and the demons, and there's a lot going on there. And what this is telling us is that our enemy, the, our enemies are not of flesh and blood. That means our enemies are not other humans. The people who we most often get angry at, the people who we most often want to fight against, are other people. And often the people who are closest to us. But they are not our enemies. Our enemies, it says, is the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a, there is a Satan, there is a devil, there are evil forces out there, and they want to stop you from following Jesus. But if you spend your whole time focused on other people, other humans, then you're going to not focus on our true enemy, and you're going to be like the, the soldiers on Kiskar Island, and you're going to be killing people who should be your allies. Now, one of the issues is that people think that there, that there is no such thing as evil forces out there. People, some people don't believe in Satan. There's a movie that came out quite a long time ago now called The Usual Suspects, and there's a line in that movie which says this, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. And he, what Satan loves to do is to remain hidden, to keep his schemes hidden and to make people believe that there is no such thing as anything beyond this world. There are no forces of evil. But if we believe in a good God, why would we not believe in a bad Satan? Why do we only believe in good spiritual forces? Can't there also be bad ones? And that's what this passage is telling us. There are evil forces out there that are opposed to God and opposed to God's people, and they want to pull people off the track, uh, off uh, the, the walk with Jesus. And so it's worth knowing what Satan's schemes are. How does Satan attack God's people? Well, what Satan, like Satan doesn't, you know, normally possess people and then, you know, make them spew green vomit and make their heads spin around or, you know, walk up the walls or, you know, climb through TVs and stab people. That's not what Satan does. The Bible tells us what Satan does. In John 8:44, it says this, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar, the father of lies. One of the main schemes of Satan that he uses against God's people is lying. When you see Satan turn up, first time we see him in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, he lies because that is his native tongue. The other thing he does that we read about uh, in the book, of Revel <coughs> excuse me, the book of Revelation is that he is an accuser. He says he is the accuser of our brothers and sisters and he accuses them before our God day and night and he has been hurled down. And what that's saying is that what Satan loves to do is he loves to whisper lies in your ear he loves to tell you things that aren't true to make you doubt the goodness of God. He loves to tempt you to sin and tell you things that are bad are good and things that are good are bad. 
And then when you give in to those temptations and you sin, he either likes to tell you the lie that, oh, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, or he likes to whisper in your ear and say, you are the worst person ever and God hates you. Because he's the accuser and he'll accuse you day and night of being a terrible person. And so if he's lying and he's accusing, then we need to be able to stand against him. Now the great thing is, about being able to stand against Satan is that Satan is already defeated. In Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 15, it says this about Jesus. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has beaten Satan and he's beaten all of Satan's uh, minions. Jesus has won. The battle is done. Uh, now there's just some mopping up to be done. And so what is it that Satan is doing? What does he want to do? Well, if he knows he's already lost, he wants to pull as many people down with him as possible. There's a TV show that I really like watching, and I I don't think it's, I think they've stopped making it, but for a while it was coming out, and the last one was in 2020. It's a TV show called Last Chance You. And it's a TV show which is a documentary about uh, American football teams, and they're in these second-tier colleges in in the U.S., There's like the first tier colleges where all the most famous athletes play. And then if they get kicked out of the first tier college because either they, you know, get in trouble with the law or they, you know, they they do drugs or something happens, they don't do well enough on their exams, they have to get, they get kicked down to second tier colleges. And it's called Last Chance You because this is the last chance for these football players to, to do well. Uh, and to, to make it into the NFL, because if they don't make it there, then they're done. And so it's this team of really talented athletes, uh, but they're, uh, they've got, everything is on the line at this point. And the, the first season follows this uh, college called East Mississippi Community College. And this team is like the best football team around. They're constantly winning their games. They win their 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 games by like 40 to 50 points every time. And then right at the end of their season, they're about to head into the playoffs and they've got one last game to play. And they're playing this team which is at the bottom of the table and this team hates them. This team has no chance of going into the playoffs, but they've decided they want to do everything they can to stop the the group from East Mississippi Community College from making it through. So they're going to play dirty. They're going to do late tackles. They're going to be physically violent. They're going to say horrible things to them. They're going to try and provoke them into a fight. And so the coaches are saying to the East Mississippi players, they're like, you have to play fair. You have to not be provoked by them. You have to not be drawn into fighting with them because they will drag you down. They've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to lose. Do not get drawn into their schemes. And so they go out and they play and just as expected, this bottom ranked team play terribly. They play, they cheat. They, they're violent, they do late tackles, they do all the things they knew they were going to do, and for a while, it goes okay. The East Mississippi team, they stand firm until eventually they, they crack, and they get into a huge brawl, like everybody in the team runs onto the field, and they're all beating up each other, and, and because of that, the game gets stopped, and the East Mississippi Community College, who are about to go into the playoff, they get... Uh, disqualified and they get kicked out of the competition and they don't make it to the playoffs. 
The bottom team were never going to make it through. The top team were, but they didn't because they fell to the schemes of the, the losing team. And that's exactly what Satan does to us. He knows he is lost, but he wants to take as much ground from Jesus as possible. As many Christians as he can pull down, he will. As many Christians as he can draw into sin, he will. As many Christians he can lie to about God's goodness so that they don't, uh, they stop following him, uh, he will do that. And so if Satan's going to do that, then we need to be able to stand. See, look at what this passage says. It doesn't tell us that we need to go out and fight Satan. You don't have to go and find Satan and stab him in the head. It's not what you have to do. You don't have to go and find you know, Satan's hometown and surround it and take, take the Satan village. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is to stand. It's just to be strong in the Lord and to put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Jesus has won. Your job is just not to fall to stand. And so how do you do that? Well, you put on the armour of God. And whose armour is the armour of God? This is not a rhetorical question. Whose armour is it? It's God's armour. Yeah. So you don't have to do it yourself. You know, there's, there was a, um, when, when uh, the war in Ukraine started, there was a lot of stuff about how Ukrainians were going, were just all scrambling to buy their own armour because there wasn't enough stuff. Now there's stuff about the, the Russians that they're scrambling to buy their own armour and stuff because they're being called up to fight, but they haven't been resourced enough. We don't have to do that. We do not have to resource ourselves. This is God's armour that we're putting on. Uh, in uh, Isaiah 59, it tells us about this armour of God. It says this, He put on his righteousness as his breastplate, this God, and his helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance, and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This is God's armour that we're putting on. You know in uh, Captain America, Civil War, who's seen it? Great, lots of you. There's uh, the first time we meet uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man has his own suit that is made for himself. And Tony Stark is like, look, I want you to come and fight with me, but you can't fight in that onesie. And so he makes him his own, his special Tony Stark suit. And then that's the suit that he's wearing for most of the time until, you know, things happen and we, you know, we won't go into it just in case there's spoilers for a few Spider-Man movies in there. But he doesn't need, he doesn't put in his own armour. He puts on Tony Stark's armour, which is so much better because Tony Stark is Iron Man. He knows how to make a suit of armour. He knows how to make a Spider-Man suit. And so Peter Parker has the best Spider-Man suit possible. Well, we get the Spider-Man suit of God. We get the best armour possible. And this is what it is. Let's have a look at what it says. First, we have the breastplate of righteousness. So, oh no, before that, first we have the belt of truth. Ah, yeah, I've got to read my Bible properly. First we have the belt of truth. The first thing you put on is the belt that holds everything together. Now, if Satan is, a, is one who speaks in lies, then the first thing you need is God's truth. You need to know who God is, what he has done. You need to know, you need to know that you can rely on God's word. And so you put on God's truth because that holds everything together. The fact that we are only hearing about the armour of God now 
And we've spent all of Ephesians learning the truth of who God is and what He has done and how He calls us to live shows us that the, the thing we need to build our life on is God's truth, who He is, what He has done, who we are in Him, and that's what protects us. God's truth is what is going to help us to stand against Satan's schemes. Then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Where are your internal organs? Here. Yeah, in your chest. This is like if you get, if you get shot here, anywhere in here, you're going to die. In your arm, you're probably okay. If it's an action movie, it's fine. You can beat people up and be shot in the arm or the leg. You'll be okay. But here, you're going to be in trouble. And so this is where you, you need to protect your vital organs. What is it that keeps you alive spiritually? It's righteousness. But not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. Righteousness is when you are in right standing with God. You're in a right relationship with God. That you haven't done anything to stuff up that relationship. And we know that we have done things to stuff up our relationship with God because we've sinned, we've lied, we've cheated, we've hurt people, we've done the wrong thing. So we are not righteous people, but because Jesus dies and rises again, we get his righteousness. And that's what protects us That's what keeps us alive. And so we put on Jesus' righteousness to protect us from the work of Satan. We know that it's not us that makes us right with God, but Jesus. And so we are safe knowing the righteousness of Jesus. Then we have the shoes of the gospel. Now, the the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And so if you're going to stand firm then you need to know that you have victory in Jesus, that, you are, that Jesus has won. The good news is that he died and rose again. You are safe in him. You can stand firm. But it says that it's the readiness that you have. It says the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So you're ready to stand firm, or maybe you're even ready to run, ready to run and tell someone the good news of Jesus. Maybe that's what the shoes of the gospel are. Then you not only stand firm in the gospel, but you share the gospel with others so that they too can know the good news of Jesus. Then next we have the shield of faith. (coughs) Excuse me. uh, With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So back in uh, the Roman times, they used to have shields which were about, about this high. And so it would cover most of your body and people would, uh, people would shoot arrows at them and the, the shields were often covered in leather and soaked in water so that when the arrows came, you could douse the arrows out. Uh, and also the other thing they do is they'd hook their shields in together and hook their shields over the top of them so they're all protected together. Um, the shields are really important to protect yourself and to protect each other. And if Satan's throwing lies at you, then you need to have faith in God that whatever Satan says to you is not real. That whatever Satan says is not correct. When when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, the problem was they didn't have faith in God. They didn't have faith that what he said was true. They believed the lies of Satan. And so we have faith that God is who he says he is, that God is reliable, that God is, God is the one who is going to protect us and keep us safe and everything he says is true, then we can douse out the flaming arrows of Satan. Next, we have the helmet of salvation. Your head is pretty important. 
And if you're in a battle and your head isn't protected, you're going to be in trouble. I went to a paintball once for someone's bucks party. And the first thing that happened is I got shot in the head. <laughs> and it hurt. Like I was wearing a, I was wearing a mask, so that was okay. Um, but it came in the side. Like, ah. It happened really quickly. And uh, I was like, I would be terrible in a war. I'd be dead so quickly. But what, I re- what happened after that is I was really nervous to like stick my head out to see things because my head wasn't well protected. Like if I wanted to look around the corner to see if someone was there, it was very quickly going to get shot by a paintball. I didn't have confidence because my head wasn't protected. If you have a helmet on, then you can have more confidence. You can be confident that you are safe. Well, this is the helmet of salvation. If you know you are safe in Jesus, if you know you are saved because of what he has done for you, you can have confidence as you stand for, for Jesus. You don't have to be hiding. You don't have to, you don't have to be you know, hoping that you know, nothing bad ever happens. You can be confident that whatever happens, whatever Satan throws at you, you'll be able to stand because you know you are saved in Jesus. And finally, we get to the last piece of the armor of God, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, every part of the armor up until this point has been defensive. It's all about protecting yourself. And this is the last piece of armor that is offensive. It's the sword, which you can get a bit stabby with. Now, notice that it's, you know, this is a close quarters weapon. You, you fight someone close in with a sword. It's not... You know, like the sniper rifle of the Spirit or the rocket launcher of the Spirit. Like, that'd be cool, uh, but that's not what's, what's happening here because Satan works close in. Satan is whispering in your ear. Satan is putting thoughts in your mind. Satan is telling you lies. He is accusing you of, of being unrighteous. Satan is tempting you to sin. So, so it's close quarters battle. So how do you fight? You use God's word. You use the Bible. We see a, 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 a battle in the Bible with using the word of God. Where do we see it? Who, can, who knows where we see it? Yeah. Yeah, when Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness. So Jesus heads out into the wilderness and Satan is tempting him to sin. The way that Jesus responds is he quotes the Bible. He quotes the Bible at Satan, and Satan is unable to tempt him to sin. Now, Jesus is the Word of God, and everything Jesus says is the Word of God. Jesus did not need to use the Bible there. He could just be like, get lost, Satan, and say, like, all right, fine, I have to do it because you're God. But what Jesus does there, I think he deliberately uses the Bible because he is showing us how humans fight. He's showing us how we can stand against Satan to not believe his lies. So you need to know God's word. And you need to draw on it when you are tempted. You need to draw on it when you're being lied to by Satan, when you're being accused. You need to be able to stand firm on this truth so that when Satan comes at you, you are able to repel his attacks and, and defend yourself because you know the truth of who God is in his word. When you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to lie, you say, oh, look, I remember in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it tells me to put off all falsehood. 
When, when, you are, when you're accused by Satan that, you, that you're a terrible person, you remember then in Romans, you get taught that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you get told that, that God has given up on you, that God doesn't want you in his family, say, no, I've been adopted to sonship. I read that in Ephesians chapter one. The more you know God's word, the better you can protect yourself against the schemes of Satan. Now, what do we get told to do in this passage? Now we know what the armor of God is. We are told to put on the armor of God, to put it on. This armor is useless if you do not put it on. If you know it's there, but you don't use it, it's not worth having. In my bag, I have an umbrella. And I live in Melbourne, and Melbourne, it rains pretty much every day. Usually, you know, you know, at some point in the day, it's going to be raining. And when I find myself outside in Melbourne, often with my backpack on, it starts raining, and I'm like, oh, man, it's raining. And then usually I'm wearing a hoodie, so I put my hood on, and I just keep walking. And I forget that in my bag, there's an umbrella. The umbrella, I bought it like months ago, it's still got the tag on it because I've never used it. Like even yesterday when it was raining, I, I remembered, I was like, oh, I've got the umbrella because I'm doing an illustration about it. And then I walked out and I was like, it's a very short walk and the tag's still on it. I can't be bothered. And so I just got wet on the way over. It's a useless umbrella if you don't use it. I mean, it's nice to know it's there, but it's no one, it's not useful at all. The only time it you know, has had any real impact on my life is when I went through airport security and I had to take it out. So that's pretty useless. The armour of God is only useful if you put it on. It's only useful if you wear it. That's the only way you'll stand against Satan's scheme. So how do you do it? Well, look at what we're told. We're told to pray. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You can put on the armor of God by knowing the truth of who God is. You can put on the armor of God by reminding yourself of the fact that you have Christ's righteousness, that you have the good news of of Jesus, that you are saved and you are safe. But to make sure that it drops from your head to your heart, you can pray. You can say, God, help me to have the power to know that this is true. Just as you prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 that you have power to know the love of God, pray that you would have that power to know the truth of God so that you might be able to stand against the schemes of Satan. Prayer is the way that we win the war against Satan, that we stand against Satan. Paul asked for prayer that he would be able to fight against Satan. You know, Napoleon, who was a great military general, he once said that an army marches on its stomach. He's saying that the only way that you win a war is if you have good supplies. When the US were trying to defeat the Japanese in World War II, the thing that won the war for them in the end, one of the big things they did, is they decided they were going to bomb every supply ship that they could find. They bombed about 200 of their naval ships and they, they bombed about one, one, uh, 1,100 of their uh, supply ships. 
And Japan had, had like enough fuel for about two days of the war at the end of the war left. They'd run out of stuff because they knew that it's the supply lines which are most important to keep an, a, keep a, an army fighting. Well, how do we get supplies? We ask for them. When you're in trouble, ask. When you need help, ask. When you're feeling tempted, say, God, help me. When you're feeling accused, you say, God, remind me that I'm your child. When, you're, when, you, when, you wanna, when you wanna lash out at someone and say, God, give me patience. When, when, when you need help sharing the good news with someone, say, God, give me courage. When someone is accusing you of, of being a bigoted Christian, say, God, give me the words. When you're angry at someone and you want to see them as your enemy, say, God, help me to know who my true enemy is. Pray, pray, and pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for each other. Pray for, for everyone you know who is standing for Jesus because that is where we get our supplies from. We do not do it ourselves. We do it in the power of God. And so, as we wrap it up, if you are not a Christian, then what this means for you is that there is an evil force out there and right now you are on your own and Satan is more powerful than you are and he will do everything he can to drag you down and you will not be able to stand against him. But the promise of the Bible is that Jesus gave his life for you so that if you put your trust in him, you can be, have life in him, you have forgiveness for your sins, you can be risen again with him and you'll be safe in him forever. Wouldn't you want to go to the winning side? Look to the one who has defeated Satan by rising from the dead. You know he has won because he defeated death. Put your trust in him you will find life and safety in him. Do not do life on your own. Go to the one who has won. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is do not be deceived. You are in a battle. Jesus has won the war, but Satan is going to try and drag you down. He's going to try and make you fight with other Christians. He's going to call other people your enemies who are, should not be your enemies but should be people who are your friends, your brothers and sisters, your neighbours, but definitely not for people you should fight against. He's going to try and lie to you about God's love. He's going to tempt you to sin. He's going to tell you that you are not loved by God. So put on the full armour of God. Know the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And you will be able to stand, not in your own power, but in the power that God gives you. Pray knowing that God will give you everything you need to stand. He has already given you his son. He has given you the armor of God. He will give you what you need to stand. So take what is yours so that you might stand. You can do it because God has given you everything you need. Put your trust in him. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to hand over to the band, I think. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he defeated the powers of evil at the cross, that we know he won because he rose again. I thank you that we 
I get invited to be part of your family. And though that brings danger with it, we know that we can stand because we have everything we need in you. I pray that we'll be people who put on the full armor that you have provided for us, that we look to you for our supplies and our strength so that we might be able to stand, that we might be able to stand against Satan and all his schemes, and we will see you in your goodness as you stand with us. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you love Jesus just that little bit more. If you want to get your hands on the Ephesians devotions, then head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. There you can also find my other books, videos, and plenty of other stuff. So feel free to check it out and don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.